0: The Bible is filled with stories of God using ordinary people to accomplish His extraordinary work throughout history. These people were transformed by their willingness to trust and obey God's call. Like us, they lived out God's plan one day and one moment at a time, not knowing how their stories would end. Now, good morning, beautiful people. Hey, it worked. All right, testing out the adjectives today. No, in all sincerity, you're beautiful. I'm glad that you're here, man. You're handsome. All right, but uh, welcome to Hillside. Come on, will you put your hands together for our first-time guest today? Come on. We're so glad that you're here. And if it is your first time, we hope that you feel welcome. Um, our, our aim is that Jesus would be lifted high and that you'd be encouraged and draw closer to God through our time together. And God's got a hope for your life. His name is Jesus. And so no matter uh, where you find yourself today, whether you're just coming to church, kicking the tires, saw us online, or we're invited by one of our guests or members, you know, however you find yourself here today, We hope that you feel welcome, and I hope that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you've got good days ahead, and that God, uh, you may have looked to your left or your right and know some people that God's doing a good work in their life. He wants to do a good work in your life as well, and um, we are in a series, as the uh, bumper video just showed, we are in a series called Ordinary People, Extraordinary People. God, And you know, hopefully by now, that throughout Scripture, God doesn't always use the people that make the most sense. He uses available people. Amen. And he uses ordinary people to do great and mighty things for him. And we can look back not only in scripture, but even the last 2000 years at the people who God has used to change the course of direction uh, for even our nation. But but nations around the world, movements around the world have started with people who are available. So if that door of your heart hasn't swung open yet in the series, I pray today it will that the door of your heart, just that that, hey, God, come however you will in all the ways you will, I want to be available here and now for what you have for me. That's always a wonderful, little dangerous, but a wonderful place to live. And so that's a bit of the heart behind our series. Today, we're going to talk about someone famous. Her name is Esther. And we're going to take a moment and look at Queen Esther. So I want to invite you, if you have your Bibles, you can crack those open. And in between the book of Nehemiah and the book of Job, you will find a rather short book, a story in many ways. And it is simply titled about the most famous character in the book, Esther. And it shares her story. We have been in this series looking at individuals And here's one theme you'll find, one thing you'll see in common. Each of them helped save the nation of Israel. God set apart holy people. Each of these individuals that we've talked about, that we've preached on the last several weeks, each of them, one distinguishing factor is they were a pivotal piece in the saving grace and saving work of God. In and over the nation of Israel. So week one we looked at Josh. Rawl preached an incredible message on the life of Joseph. An ordinary person who endured some extraordinary hardship. But at the end of his days he looks back. At the end at the height of his moment he recognizes second in command to Pharaoh. He helped preserve the nation of Israel. The next week we looked at David. David's battle with Goliath was more than just God showing off and showing out. He was actually preserving the nation of Israel. Many times battles in those days and ages were not only fought between armies, but they would have a representative who in and of themselves, they represented the whole nation. The Philistines had Goliath and Israel had a smallish shepherd boy named David. But one of the greatest lessons of David's life is not to read a book by its cover. Amen? God doesn't look at only the exterior or the outside. He looks at the interior. And God could do far more with a surrendered, submitted heart to him who knew the greatness of his name and his power than he could with the whole military. It's a remarkable story. Last week, we looked at Gideon. Spent some time on identity. But Gideon, again, not just a feel-good story. There's more to it than just identity you know in that message there's far more in fact the identity led Gideon to his purpose to help defeat the Moabites who were terrorizing in many ways the Israelites well Esther's story slots in very similarly to each of these Esther was set apart raised up trained and found favor with the king preserved and served to save a nation. And today I've titled this message Queen Esther. Invitation to intercession. Esther. Invitation to intercession. Now it's going to take me a few minutes y'all to get there. Cuz I want to share the story of Israel. I want to want to look at some passages. I want to share Part of the plot, I plan to spend a few minutes there and then pivot to God's invitation for each of us to intercede, to have intercession. Simply put, praying for others, praying for God to move, praying, never stop praying for people. Esther, within the Old Testament, you'll find it. It's it's the Old Testament. If you are unfamiliar, it's not written in chronological order. In fact, the book to the right of Esther, in many cases, historically, that's the first book in the Old Testament, Job. And then you have the first five books of the Old Testament. So Esther, in the timeline of Israel, they are in exile. So the Babylonian captivity, hang with me, no yawning allowed. All right. The Babylonian captivity has taken place. The promised people, Israel, has, has forsaken God they've chased their own idols and God in his goodness he gave them over to their sins he he in his loving kindness he 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 gives us over to the desires of our hearts and Israel were like man we want to be like the other nations we want to serve the other gods we want to chase after their ways and they were unsatisfied with the living God and so God gave them over and in time Babylon conquered them and They were shipped off, many of them, to different points. Many were shipped to Babylon. Some, in this case, the book of Esther comes out of the region of Persia. And so the Jewish nation is not the majority in this story. At this point in time, Esther, in the book, it actually says that that the Jewish people have been scattered abroad. They're no longer within Israel and in the promised land, but they've been scattered abroad. And so this story is written in exile. The whole chapter one, it's a very interesting story. It's certainly not politically correct in America today with how, uh, how, how leaders and government is run. But uh, the, the, the brief synopsis is this. Let me bring this up. We can read this together. Esther, the cousin... Of a man named Mordecai wins the affection of King Xerxes. There we go. Mordecai uncovers the evil plans of a man by the name of Haman or Haman. The king's most trusted advisor. Who has orchestrated to have the entire Jewish population. You know, just something simple. Annihilated. In 24 hours, you know. Esther, in a stunning moment of courage, enters the king's courts without invitation, which was a major no-no. To invite him to a special dinner, and at the dinner she will expose the evil plot of Haman. The first part of the plot of the book of Esther is that Esther was adopted by Mordecai. She had no family of her own. They had passed away. We don't know necessarily all the full specifics. May have died in battle. May have died in the journey in the exile. But she was alone and she was adopted by her cousin Mordecai. We'll read chapter 2. A couple verses five and seven. It says, now there was in the citadel of Susa, a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin named Mordecai, son of Jair, the son of Shemel, the son of Kish, verse six, who had been carried into exile, there we go, from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken captive with Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Keeping up? Okay. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This girl. Who was also known as Esther was lovely in form and features, and Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. Second thought here is that Esther wins the favor of the king in his search for a new queen. Veggie Tales does a really good job with <laughs> Queen Esther, all right? So, if, if at any point in this message, I want you to know you can always fall back on Veggie Tales, somebody. Especially, especially uh, with this message. Uh, I can't help but think Esther and I've got all the characters in my mind because that was the popular one as our oldest was growing up. But the quick synopsis is this. King Xerxes invited Queen Vashti to dinner. Queen Vashti said no. King Xerxes did not have the fruit of the Holy Spirit operating in his life. He was infuriated with her, no. And then his advisor says, well, listen here. If you don't make an example of Queen Vashti, we know what will happen. All of a sudden, men across the country will sit down at the dinner table and invite their spouse to dinner and to have the meal prepared and she will be emboldened to say no. So now you're thinking, really? Yes, really. Different times, different culture. Questions for heaven. Write them down for a later time. But this is how the story comes to us, right? Right? And he banishes Queen Vashti. Yeah, I'll take your no and raise you. Done. And the search for the new queen comes about. Esther wins the favor of the king in his search for a new queen. Come on. A little little Bible study, a little Sunday school action going down. Verse 8. When the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, many girls were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther... Not Hagai, guy, Haggai. Guy. Esther also was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who had charge of the harem. The girl pleased, the, the girl who pleased him and won his favor. Immediately he provided her with her beauty treatments and special food. <laughs> it is fun, isn't it? All right. He assigned to her seven maids selected from the king's palace, moved her and her maids into the best place in the harem. Verse 17. Now the king was attracted to Esther more than to any of the other women. She won favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her a queen instead of Vashti. We're following the main thread, the main plot so far is what I shared right Vashti is banished, Esther is brought in. A subplot arises as Haman, which again will be will be humored by this. Haman has been promoted by the king. He's the king's trusted advisor. And Haman is promoted, and Haman is egotistical, also lacking the fruit of the spirit. He is the selfie king. He owns your social media tab. He is that guy that you may or may not, no one will know that you had a snooze for 30 days, somebody on Facebook, because they were all about themselves. That is Haman and more. And here's what he did. He would ride through the streets, you know, just kind of par for the course, commanding, demanding the praise of the people. And so All of them would kneel and say, yay, we love you, you know, and throw pom poms and fruit. I don't know, whatever you throw in those days, celebrating just his promotion and how wonderful he is. One guy, no bow, Mordecai, he was a monotheist. He loved Yahweh, served Yahweh, had no other idols or gods before him and Haman couldn't stand it. So if you're wondering, where did this come from? Annihilating all of the Jewish population, taking care of the entire beloved people of God, what was the infuriating point? It was that. Mordecai would not bow to Haman, and Haman Rolled it over, rolled it over, rolled it over in his mind. And he, as the king's trusted advisor, took advantage of the relationship and took advantage of the proximity he was to King Xerxes. And here's what he said. He said, hey, I think we ought to get rid and annihilate the Jewish people. In verse 10 and 11 of chapter 3, it says, So the king took his signet ring from his finger. He gave it to Haman, the agite. The enemy of the Jews, keep the money, the king said to Haman and do with the people as you please. And so here's here's a little bit of historical context. Here's a little fun fact for you. They cast lots to determine the day the annihilation of the Jews would occur. If you have ever noticed, perhaps in your calendar and even on your phone right now. To cast lots in the Hebrew is a word Purim. It There's a festival of the Jews that celebrates this very story. Jesus himself would have celebrated the festival or the feast of Purim. Because as we'll see in a moment, the Jews were not annihilated and God saved the nation. And so in the casting of lots, they determined the day, they determined the hour. And let's move rapidly. The plot is uncovered by Mordecai and others. And Mordecai, nobody gets to just jump rank and go into the king's presence. Nobody gets to just jump rank and run into the king's courts. It's only by invitation only. And Mordecai knows he has a voice with Esther. So the plot is uncovered, it's discovered, and he calls out to Esther and he said, Listen, are you aware? Esther at the time was unaware. She was living within the king's proximity and was not aware of what was beyond the king's gates and not, if you will, the news on the street. And so she is disappointed. She is discouraged. However, she's also comfortable. She's got her spa days scheduled. She's got her buffet set out every day. She's got her fitness class in the morning. She's got her siesta in the afternoon. She's got her girl talk time in the evening. Life is good. But Mordecai comes to her. And he says, no, you you may not understand. There's something distinct over your life. You've been positioned, uniquely orchestrated, divinely appointed by God for such a time as this. That's the Pastor Paul version of what the book of Esther says. Let's read what Mordecai really said. Verse 4, verse 4, verse 12, excuse me, of chapter 4. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, here were her words. Well, what am I supposed to do about it? He sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. Talks to you as a loving uncle, right? For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and, your fa- you and your father's family will perish. And who knows. But that you have come to royal position. For such a time. As this. Lays it on heavy. Lays it on thick. And she responds. They call for a day of fasting. During the day of fasting. Uh, uh, Queen Esther risks her life. She barges in if you will. Charges into the king's courts. He could have called for her death right there. And then. But he handed his out his scepter for her to touch, which was the sign that you are welcome in my presence. What do you require? Up to half the kingdom. And she says, I'd like dinner together. I'd like us to, to talk. And so she schedules a few nights of dinner, and after each evening, she uncovers the plot laid out by Haman. The king is enraged. You know, Old Testament justice system has Haman impaled, killed, you know, done with him and his entire family. But the annihilation of the Jews never happened. A nation was saved because Esther intercepted the plans of Haman. Esther intercepted the plans of the evil one, Queen Esther interceded on behalf of her nation. Lives were saved. Esther, I believe, as I was reading and studying, Esther is a picture of the invitation to you and to me of intercession. Intercession is a form of prayer. Intercession is a experiential prayer, if you will. It's a time of praying, not for one's own needs. That's important. Not for our circumstances. That's important. But it is where we stand in the gap, where we intercept the works and the words and the direction of others. Where the enemy is seeking to kill, steal, and destroy Intercession, people who pray in an intercessory way truly stand in the gap and people's lives are changed forever. Like Esther, I'm going to cover a few things that are true about you. And about me. But let me cover Esther as a picture. I shared that of intercession. She intercepted the evil plot against the Jews. She willingly sacrificed her life to save the nation. She intervened the plot of Haman. Intercession is a form of prayer in that our prayer intercepts the plans of the evil one. Our prayer intervenes in the status quo of things. And our prayer interacts with the living God to shift the direction of things. Hear this truth. Intercessory prayer works. Hear this. Intercessory prayer moves mountains. It changes the course of direction in and over people's lives. Disappointment is loud. Unmet prayer is loud. Doubt, you guessed it, is loud. The climate over our country, the enemy is lulling people to sleep with a vision of God that is far too small. With a God that is handcuffed, his hands are tied. He set the world in orbit and he's done intervening. It's not the truth. The prayers of the saints continue to rise up. People continue to be saved. Healings continue to occur. Miracles still happen. Provision still applies because of the mercy of God. You'll want to know God has not changed. He's Not moved. He loves you and he says your voice is powerful. Do we have questions? Oh, yeah. Do we sometimes not see what we want to see? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Does God miss plenty of opportunities to come in early to the party? Yes. But one thing's true. He always arrives on time. And as I was looking at Esther, it was just rising up within me. What a symbolic picture of the invitation, the relationship that you and that I have with God. Notice this like Esther, you and I, first, were adopted. Think about that. We're adopted into the family of God. Mordecai didn't have to do what he did for Esther, but he did. Out of his loving kindness and his benevolent heart and his generosity, him and his wife and their family, they took on what it cost to raise Esther. I mean, that's a sacrifice. It's a beautiful thing. Can I tell you, God moved heaven and earth that you may be adopted into the family of God. Then he sent the Holy Spirit And Jesus said, hey, it's to your advantage that I go away so that the spirit may come and that you may walk in relationship. And so we don't have just Jesus in the flesh. But now God has set up residence in our hearts. He's adopted us. And Jesus would make one which really registers to my heart. He says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will send my spirit to you. And Paul A few decades later would say it's out of the Holy Spirit within us that we cry out Abba, Father. We're adopted in the family of God. Think on this number two, we have access, access to the one true king of kings. Now, one of the ploys of the enemy is he does not like you having access to the place he used to have access. Lucifer, Satan, the fallen one that fell like lightning from the sky. He was close to God and that is shattered and he despises when Christians get a little too on fire for God. He he, he does not like when you begin to understand the access you have to your heavenly father. He gets really mad When we begin to recognize it's not by our own earning or by our efforts, but it's by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Nothing but grace and we can enter into his presence. That really begins to ruffle his feathers. And what's remarkable is Esther was given this access to King Xerxes. You and I daily we've been given. I want you to think about this. You've been given. All the access you will ever need to your Heavenly Father. Right now, in this moment, access to the Heavenly Father. In a valley, access to the Heavenly Father. On the mountaintop, access to the Heavenly Father. Moment after sin, access to the Heavenly Father. Your worst day does not define you. The blood of Jesus has given you access to the one true King of kings. I love this. Hebrews chapter 4.16 Let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? Oh, with confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Some of you are so disappointed in God. You just are. You feel let down, you feel forgotten. You feel like you're the caboose on the train of answered prayer requests. I'm sent to remind you, it's okay. Bring your disappointment, bring your heartache, bring your shattered dreams, And come into the presence of God. Let him heal the broken places of your soul. I spent a year, which is long enough for anybody, being bitter towards God. I had false expectations. He wasn't doing what I wanted, when I wanted. You know, just standard stuff we all face. I'd grown bitter. But I kept showing up. Kept staying in community, kept letting those annoying Jesus freaks brag on God, all the while thinking, well, okay, good for you. Yay. (laughs) Then I'll never forget, never forget. One afternoon, God said, hey, what are your three biggest needs right now? To which, you know, I just humbly responded, you're God, you know. I'm just kidding, but (laughs) I gave them to him. And he said, I want you to know that very rapidly you're going to see them all line up. And that was during a year and a half between graduating university, knowing that I know that I know I had the call of God. And doors, doors were opening enough, but not what I wanted in the time I wanted all of a sudden they swung open. But before that could happen. I had to look God in the face. As weird as this sounds. Say I I forgive you for not doing things my way. He doesn't need my forgiveness. He doesn't need my forgiveness. But I needed to forgive. Disappointment. Disappointment. If you let it. It will camp out in your heart. Disappointment and discouragement will camp out in your heart. And can I tell you something? You can be saved and love in the wilderness. You can. I got no problem. Like if you're in the wilderness, hang out. We love you. Come on. It's great for a season. But when you start getting closer and closer to that promised land, you have to get if you will, lower and lower before God, your will, not mine, your will, not mine. You get yourself surrounded by some people that can encourage, that it can equip you. I know what it's like to be looking at a mountain and seeing no way, no way. Yeah, pastors sometimes see mountains and think, no way. (laughs) It's okay, because as we pray, We don't have to know why. Got a vision for this message a few weeks ago, and God was showing me, you know, if you're first time here, I don't share visions often. So welcome to Hillside. All right. But it wasn't like a vision where the cloud, you know, the sky opened. I didn't have one of those visions. I got a got a a vision in my mind. And he said, Paul, you want to know what's trapping, what's trapping so many people's faith. And I didn't feel like it was specifically for you. So if it speaks to you, praise the Lord. If not. It's all good, but I saw a mountain. Just you can you can get a picture. Picture Mount Everest or any mountain you Google, and it was a three-letter word with a question mark. W H Y question mark It was the mountain of why. Disappointment, discouragement, missed expectations. Queen Esther, thinking to herself, I've just become the queen. Why? <laughs> like, why? <laughs> you know, that's not far enough. You know i got to push buttons. Our marriage was perfect. Why? My children some of y'all, were perfect. Why now? They did this to me. Why? I don't know. I don't know. But I know one of the most annoying features of the Holy Spirit. He does not allow for me to live hurt because in his word Jesus did not say i send to you the herder hurt h u r t e r no jesus invites you and says you got some wise and i saw in my you know who god was speaking to with the vision right you know as pastors we always think it's for y'all like y'all i hope they get it god and god's like uh <laughs> All, all the former pastors understand what I'm saying. You know, and, 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 here, and here's the thing. But I saw it. I want you to hear this. If you've got a mountain in your life, W-H-Y, question mark, know this. You're welcome in the kingdom of God. Know this. Right here, right now, know God's got an agenda with your life. He wants to love you through that mountain. You don't get through why screaming at it. You don't get through why declaring major words of faith. They help, they keep me pumped up. Sometimes you only move through the mountain why one day at a time, rehearsing the promises and reminding your soul I am loved. Doesn't feel like it, but I am loved. I feel lonely, but God's bringing me into family. I feel broken, God's healing me. I feel broke but God's going to provide. I feel needy, but God's going to meet all my needs. That's how we get through the mountain. Why? But many people in their walk with God, they stop and they walk around the Y mountain. Done it. Been there. Never again in Jesus' name. But I'm here to help you and let you know you're loved. God sees you. He wants to lead you through and beyond the mountain of Y. That's called a rabbit trail because I still have points. I, I thought that sounds good. Oh, wait, let me finish. All my note takers, I feel you. I'm going to finish. Adopted into the family of God, access to the King of Kings. Three, we're invited to intercept the plans of the evil one. Listen, you're invited. To intercept the plans of the evil one. Do not let shame talk you out of sharing the gospel. Do not let your past quench the fire and passion and the love of God in your life. Listen, your family members who point out, hey, last week you were crazy. What do you mean you gave your life to Jesus? What are you sharing the love of God with me? We'll see. Shut that voice down and go preach the gospel. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have it together. You, your life, trust me, it is a mission field in the places you work. Some of you, I know where you work. Trust me, it's a mission field. And like Mordecai, I'm here to say, who knows if God hasn't put you in that proximity for such a time as this. Invited to intercept the plans Of the evil one. Ephesians 6.12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the rulers. Against the authorities. Against the powers of this dark world. And against the spiritual forces of this dark world. Jesus as he's casting out demons. What is that? That is spiritual warfare taking place. Jesus as he's forgiving the sinner, what is that taking? That's spiritual warfare. He's not buckling to the systems of this world, but he's bringing heaven into earth. Your life, you may feel, man, I'm still young in this. I'm still new to the faith. You got it in you. God's given you a voice. He's given you a hope. Your prayers matter. You don't have to have been through the growth track. You don't have to have been a member. You don't have to even open. One of the books I gave you when we talked and had coffee, all right? Doesn't matter. You need Jesus, and Jesus in you is the hope of glory. Last thought, transform your prayers, your intercession, your willingness. It transforms the outcome of others, the region you live in, and the world. You can do like me. My phone is my best friend. That sounded bad. My phone's not my best friend. But it's my best friend in what I'm about to share with you. It really helps me with intercession. I set reminders on my phone. And one of the reminders... On my phone is to declare blessing and favor over this region. You sound, you say that well, that sounds ridiculous. Well, welcome to Hillside. All right. So I've got here Southern, Southern Indiana blessings. I just pull it up because I don't have them memorized yet. But I just say, thank you, God, that this region is blessed. Thank you, God, that all these churches are filled to overflowing. Thank you, God, that the churches have to move to two services. To reach more people with the love of God. Or three services. Thank you, God, that you're doing a great thing. But here's, anyway, those are on the fly. Here's the ones I have. God, thank you. This is a passionate area for Jesus. Thank you, God, this is an area that dreams and believes big. Thank you, God, where people walk in the freedom found in Christ. Where peace is people's portion. Thank you, God, that this is a place where people are generous Hope-filled and full of encouragement. Where crime is diminishing. Where love is evident between people. This is a place where miracles, signs, and wonders happen. Those are on my heart, but I wonder what's on your heart. I wonder what God's put in your heart. Some of you, you just need to declare and pray over your HOA, somebody. (laughs) All you charismatics are like, man, that was a prophetic word for such a time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, (laughs) Jesus. All you HOA presidents, you need to pray. No, I'm just kidding. All right, all right, all right. But I mean this, I mean this. I've got an agenda with you. Here's my agenda. To let you know God loves you so deeply. And let you know that you are a full-time minister of the gospel. You are. I know you're looking at me. I'm looking at you. Parents know. The days are long. But the years are short. I'm not convinced. But somebody ahead of me told me that. And um, the times you pray over your kids. God sees it. The times when it's pitch black, you're walking over to your daughter's room and just kind of sticking your hand out there. God, I just thank you that you would wipe away any of the negative words declared over her life. God, I thank you that you would protect her. God, I thank you that you would set her free. God, give her strength. Father, her inner world, would you just bring clarity and not confusion? God sees each one of those moments. It's never too late to start, but now is the time in our lives. Take Christ up on his invitation to intercede, to believe for him to do great things. I want to end with a quote. Jim Cimbala in his book, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire, he says this. About the invitation to pray, okay, and and live life of intercession. If we call upon the Lord, he has promised in his word to answer, to bring the unsaved to himself, to pour out his spirit among us. If we don't call upon the Lord, he has promised nothing, nothing at all. It's as simple as that. No matter what I preach, this is him writing, I I agree. No matter what I preach or what we claim to believe in our heads, the future will depend upon our times of prayer. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture, beautiful invitation. And listen, I know the subject of prayer can be intimidating, A couple years ago, one of the healthiest seasons of prayer I had, all I did was spend time with the Lord's Prayer. You can read the Lord's Prayer. You can Google the Lord's Prayer. I mean, after all, can we just shoot straight? That is the prayer Jesus gave the disciples when they asked him, how should we pray? You can start there. You can start simply. You don't have to tackle, you know, the global economy. In your intercessory prayer. You may be called to. That's great. But where I encourage people to start with intercessory prayer. Is what is before you. And then you probably noticed. I intentionally put some things on your radar. Be aware of disappointment. Be aware of discouragement. Be aware of the waves of the enemy. That wants to pull you away. From prayer trust God to do great things, can I tell you, I've seen God do incredible things, and I scratch my head, and it dawns on me that it was only possible through prayer. I want to tell you, there are things in your future that will only be accomplished through prayer, and I know it can get long, and we can grow weary, that's why we continue each Sunday just to refresh ourselves, be encouraged on a daily basis in the Lord. I remember when the Lord was teaching me about intercessory prayer, my godmother in South Africa in uh, 2002 was diagnosed with cancer. You know how the Lord brings, he doesn't do that, don't misread me, but that need came across my path. God invited me to partner with him. And I'll never forget, man, I was at Lee University. Top floor, just a terrible bed, dorm room, sink thing. And I would go to the end of my bed, get on my knees, and i just lifted up, Diana, every night. Lord, would you touch Diana? Would you bring healing to her body? Father, would you remove this cancer in the name of Jesus? Amen. Nothing long, nothing fancy. Night after night, night after night, night after night, about four or five months into it, We got wind, cancer free. God had healed. God had touched. She's alive to this day. A couple years ago, my, my sister and my niece went and visited with her. It's awesome in South Africa. Standing before you, though, is not somebody with a batting average of 10 for 10. I don't have all the answers. But I've determined in the seasons of defeat, still gonna pray. I've determined when I'm as beat up and bruised as anybody else, I'm going to intercede. And I've determined that God is faithful, He is good, He is worthy of our praise, He is still setting people free. The lost are still coming to Jesus. In this region, in our church, God is up to amazing things. Sometimes we are led by our feelings. And if I was led (laughs) by my feelings, y'all would probably be at a buffet right now. (laughs) But what we need to be for our homes and for the sake of our loved ones is not led by our feelings, but led into the presence of our Father. We can lay every burden down. And then here's the beautiful thing. Learn to hold your needs, not like this, But like this, and believe for God to move, but trust him with all the results. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, that you have so blessed us with people around us that pray, that seek you. God, we're so grateful for your word over our life so grateful for the promises of Jesus in and over our hearts we thank you god for the gift of intercessory prayer god it's not a formula i know it's not a formula god but i know it's about being in relationship with you and continuing to approach you when it looks like nothing is happening something is happening when it feels like no one is listening Father, you're hearing every word. Your word says you are catching every tear. We thank you, God, that you are a faithful God and that you have given us access as your sons and daughters to walk in relationship with you. If you need Jesus, say this with me. God, I need you. I need relationship. I've been living, God, as a next-door neighbor to the kingdom of God. And I know it's time to come home, live in the family of God. I repent of my sins, forgive my past. I give you my life. I surrender it to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. I want to invite you to stand to your feet. We're going to worship with one.